Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. You know, it's funny, I uh, prepared this message this week before any uh, of the things, the decisions that have happened throughout this week. And this message really ties in with what Pastor Joe, uh, who was our speaker last week, if you weren't here, really want to invite you to go and check out what he shared with us. So he challenged us to make sure we grow in our faith and our knowledge. And as we continue to do this, I find it's important as Christians that we spend time in the Bible. How many of you guys know with the distractions of life, it's actually really easy to get distracted and say, you know, when was the last time I opened the Bible or the Bible app? You know, that notification you get, it doesn't count necessarily as, oh, yes, it's just another notification. But before we kind of jump in with that, uh, we're going to play a game this morning. Um, I don't know if any of you decided, you know, I'm coming to church and I can't wait to play the game in the middle of service. Uh, but we're going to play a game. Don't worry, you can stay in your seats. You're not tackling anybody. This isn't youth group. We're not playing sock dodgeball, uh, even though that does sound like fun. And sometimes you got to get that movement. But I'm going to throw some images up on the screen and I need to identify them. This isn't as complicated as you think. It's not going to be one of those games you're like, oh, what's going to happen? There's no points. There's no prizes. This is just to see if we know what we know. Can we see that first image? And everybody said, this is a? An elephant. And an elephant sounds like? I just want to see if anybody would do it. (laughs) Nobody would. My son would. All right. We got one. (laughs) I like it. My son will join you with that one. All right, so we got elephant. All right, let's look at this next one. What is that? A laptop. It's probably a MacBook if you're familiar with some of the Apple laptops, but it's a laptop. All right, next one. Bicycle. You, like, these are not hard necessarily, right? I wasn't trying to trick you guys this morning. Well, maybe. I don't know. Let's see this next one. It's corn. You guys are good. Took one a little extra because it's a little baby corn. All right, next one. Nope. Nope. It's a tapper or tapir or however you want to say it. T-A-P-I-R. The tapir. All right, next one. Sim card. Rachel got that one. A sim card. After that, we have a... A payphone and accompanied with the payphone is a? A phone book. I can't tell you last time I have seen a phone book that wasn't about like this thin. You know, like, you don't talk about the original ones that, you know, in the 90s, everybody's like, look what I could rip in half. We've seen those assemblies. We've been there. Maybe you were that assembly. I don't know. After that, we have the last image. Cassette tape. When was the last time somebody seen one of these like in real life? Not just an image of it or just memories. Just last time, maybe you were cleaning out an attic or something and you've come across one. Um, <laughs> or the counterpart, everybody remembers the VHS tapes. Uh, I have a whole bunch of home videos from when I was growing up that I've been converting to digital. So I have a bunch of them because uh, newsflash, uh, they're about old enough now that the magnets on them are starting to die and you're going to lose the image and the sound. So if you do have home videos, now's the time to figure out uh, how to back them up onto digital. But back to the point, how did you know what these things were? It's rhetorical. How did you know what these things were? 
It's because you had familiarity with them, right? Like maybe, maybe other than uh, that second animal, you've probably seen or have some sort of familiarity with the things that were on the screen. So like the things like that tape here that you didn't know, you might not have been as familiar with. Yet when it comes to things like an elephant, everybody knew that right away. Even my one-year-old son and Mike knows what an elephant sounds like and how to make that sound. But now here, here's a different one. So this one you could see, all these things you could see. I'm going, now going to, we're going to play a video that has a sound. And don't say it yet. At the end of the video, I'm going to say, one, two, three, what was it? Uh, Michelle, if you can go to that next one. Some of you are laughing, so you're like, oh, I don't miss that. I don't miss that. And some of you are like, I have no idea what that is. Whew. Does anybody remember what that one is? One, two, three. Dial-up Dial internet. If you uh, have never had the joy of experiencing dial-up internet, that is exactly what it sounded like on your modem when you were clicking to go on, checking your email, yelling at everybody at the house saying, get off the phone, I'm trying to check my email, even though you know, email wasn't as important uh, during some of those seasons. Um, some of you might still have dial-up. Believe it or not, dial-up is actually still around. Um, I can't fathom it, but... Uh, sometimes you just have to do it. So dial up. And some of you guys know that firsthand. I could tell who knew it firsthand because of the facial expressions and not because of the, like, it was a high pitch, but because it brought back painful memories of sitting there trying to get, whether you were trying to use AIM or Yahoo Messenger and trying to message your friends, setting your away statuses, or you're back to the original days with the uh, the message boards, and all of those other things. There's so many things that come with that. So some of you also only know that as a secondhand sound. Of it's been kind of resurging sometimes on places like TikTok. Like, hey, do you know what this is? And it's parents teasing their kids saying, I don't know what this is. Well, of course they don't. They didn't grow up with it. But these are things that you may or may not know because of your level of familiarity with them. You've probably had experience with them. And in many cases, spent significant time with those items, or at least with them nearby. I don't know how many of you might have used a Walkman while using a cassette tape while eating corn and riding your bicycle. You know, I just knocked out three of those images all at once. If you did that, congratulations. That's a, a feat uh, to eat an ear of corn while riding a bicycle, um, but you can do it. See, just like we're familiar with these things, and we can identify and recognize them, we need to do that much more when it comes to our relationship with God. Because there's honestly a lot of times as a Christian where we see stuff posted online, where we hear what people say, or sometimes we hear the things that we say out of our mouths and say, that sounds like a good Christian thing to say. Or, yeah, that sounds like it should be in the Bible. Yet sometimes we hear these things and we don't actually recognize that the words we're hearing or the words we're saying are not even not in the Bible, but they're opposite of who God is. See, if I showed you a picture of a zebra and try to convince you it was an elephant, how many of you would probably argue me saying, Pastor Dave, you need to go to the doctor right now. Something's wrong. That is a zebra, not an elephant. 
But sometimes then when it comes to us as Christians, we hear things that sound, I'm going to use the word Christianese. When we, we hear things that sound Christianese, when we hear things that sound like they're from the Bible and don't recognize them or think, oh yeah, this is it, but it's actually not God. Nobody points it out to us. Nobody spends time because, you know, what? we want to be good. We want to make sure, like, oh, well, it sounds good. It makes them feel good. But the truth is, as Christians, if we're truly going to iron, sharpen, iron each other, if we're going to help each other out, then we need to make sure that we're pointing each other to a place where we know Scripture, where we know God, so we can recognize Him and His Word at all times and all places, whether I have a Bible in my hand or not. See, last week when Pastor Joe was here, one of his challenges to us was to make sure that we as Christians are growing in our knowledge of the Word so that we can be biblically literate Christians, to know what the Bible says, to know what is inside the Bible. And let's be honest, there's really only one way to be familiar with God's Word, isn't there? To spend time in it to spend time daily reading his word, spend time with him. And see, scripture is actually pretty clear on this too. If you have your Bibles, because I can't talk about spending time in your Bibles and not open our Bibles, right? So open your Bibles. We'll have it also on the screen to Psalm chapter 119. We're going to start with verse 9 and work our way through verse 16. I'm reading out of the ESV. And it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it again according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. And in the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Now let's take a moment and let's look at that verse 11, where it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored up your word in my heart. See, this is also indicative or indicative that it's not just knowing scripture up here, but it's applying it into our heart. It's about applying it into our faith of knowing who he is and letting it be an active part of our daily lives. See, in Hebrew, the word here that is translated as stored up, it's safan. And actually, we have it right there on the screen, safan. And it means to hide, to store up, to treasure up. And you only do these things, this word is only used throughout the Old Testament when it's talking about things of value that we need to hold on to. Not that it's hidden from others to see, but that it's in a place that is hidden as in it is secure. It is a place that is not going to waver. It is in a place that is not going to be open to damage or manipulation. That his word may be stored in our hearts, so that we might not sin against him. See, the psalmist here is talking about how when I know God's word, I know God's heart. And when I know God's heart, I know God's voice. I want to say that one again because this is so powerful this morning. That when we know God's word, we know God's heart. And when we know God's heart, we know God's voice. 
See, a lot of times when I'm asked, Pastor, how do you know God's voice? We say, well, how do you know what he sounds like? How do you know that he's consistent with who he is? Because God gave us his word. And it's, it's so funny to me as a pastor when I'm told that people are saying, well, I'm hearing from God, but they don't know what this says. How can you be familiar with another person's voice when you're not familiar with their voice at all? When you don't know their identity, when you don't know who they are. And see, this is where, as Christians, we need to exercise caution with those and when we speak in a prophetic manner. You know, that sometimes we tease about so it's the thus saith the Lord kind of moments where we need to exercise caution saying, this is what God is saying. Because here's what Jeremiah 23, 29 through 32 says saying, is not my word like fire? This is the Lord's declaration. I'm going to skip over the Lord's declaration part so you hear it in the phrase. But the Lord is declaring this, and it's there, that phrase is there for emphasis, it's saying, this is what God is saying. Is, my word not, is not my word like fire, and like a hammer that pulverizes rock? Therefore, take note, I am against the prophets who steal my words from each other. I'm against the prophets who use their own tongues to make a declaration. I'm against those who prophesy false dreams, telling them and leading them, my people astray with their reckless lies. It was not I who sent or commanded them, and they are of no benefit to all these people. See, as Pentecostals, as a Pentecostal preacher myself, I believe in prophecy. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I also believe that we must exercise caution when we see these things move inside of our Christian lives, that I'm not just speaking something because it sounds good, but I'm speaking something on behalf of God. And that we always confirm it with Scripture because God's identity is not going to change because I said something versus who he has shown himself to be over thousands of years. God is consistent. He is forever the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. See, while we may not be here today doing these things, these are easy traps for young faith Christians to fall in when we get to know Christ. That sometimes mature Christians like us, sometimes we fail to recognize, we fail to point, we fail to guide. We help to, or fail to sometimes bring resolution to these things that sound good, they, they sound Christian, or sometimes even when we hear something but we don't call out the way that Christ actually tells us to in a very biblical model throughout Matthew. See, there's a difference when we know our scripture and when we don't. And it kind of creates this conundrum where we can easily become a fortune cookie Christian, is what I call it. A fortune cookie Christian versus speaking the word of God. See, I'm going to share some uh, Christian cliches. Maybe you've heard these. Maybe you've said some of these. I'm certainly guilty of some of these at some point in my life myself. So don't feel bad if you've said any of these things. But these are things that they feel good, but they're also biblically inaccurate. We've got things like if God brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. God won't give you more than you can handle. God helps those who help themselves. When God closes the door, he, does anybody know this one? Opens a window. I'm not climbing through a window. I'm too big for that. <laughs> Hate the sin, love the sinner. Check out Psalms chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. Uh, that one's a very strong one sometimes right now in our community. Let go and let God. Everything happens for a reason. That's uh, called karma. Where God guides, God provides. So I'm a big fan of rhyming, but just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's true. 
I like this one. And by I like this one, I mean I genuinely hate this one. Man meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Like you say that, it's like, oh yeah, you know, God's got meant that for good. But do you really think that some of the things like 9-11, God meant for good? That is not of God's heart. Evil is never of God's heart. Can he use all things for his good? Absolutely. And that's what this is trying to say. But it communicates something entirely different that is against who God is. And this last one, uh, I hear this one a lot as a, a pastor. And I hear this one a lot as, uh, you know, when I was in seminary. That God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Or sometimes you, you can swap out qualified with equips. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And while that can be true, that, that also negates the, the work that you put in towards the things, the gifts that God has given you. So God's going to use the gifts that you put work towards, and this just kind of throws it out the window saying, if God really called it to you, you don't have to worry about doing some of these things. So we have some of these Christianese fortune cookie statements that come out of our mouths because we're unfamiliar with what God's word says. We only read the parts that are consistent with my Google search when I'm saying, what does the Bible say about this? Or how should I respond in certain situations about this? And you get that list. And you find these scriptures, and not to say that those scriptures are inaccurate, but those aren't the only scriptures in the Bible. We all have a least favorite book of the Bible, and you can tell me why it's Numbers later, but um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But Numbers is actually truly one of the hardest books of the Bible to read because it just lists stuff. But when you even just read through Numbers, that doesn't mean we don't read through Numbers. We don't understand what God is doing because God is actually doing and communicating a whole lot of things that take place even in the books that sometimes they're a little harder to read. And also, if you're not sure how some of those things I shared today are inaccurate, Let's have coffee, and I will gladly go over that with you because I want to help make sure that our iron is sharpening iron from each other inside of this room. Because the point is, while we may think that sometimes when we say these statements, we're leading people to God when we speak these things, we're actually not pointing them to the one true God, but instead a God that is all about an individual's feelings. And God doesn't exist for us. And sometimes that's a humbling statement. God doesn't exist for us. Doesn't God want us to have joy, though? Yes. We're going to be touching on that next month. But he also wants us to know him. Him. Not an idea of him. Not select pages of him. Not select verses of him. But to know him. See, we can find joy in life and in Christ without ignoring the pains of this world and making incorrect statements about who God is. And this is one of those messages that as a pastor, you know, part of our job is to make sure that we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And I, I truly believe this is a message that's been laying on my heart, saying as Christians, we need to set the standard for what it means to know what Scripture says, and to live it out, and to do it in a way that our lifestyle leads others to Christ. But sometimes we need to recognize that we can point out and recognize these things that we say sometimes as Christians that aren't true to who God is. So instead, what we need to do is store up his words in our heart so that we might not sin against him. It's kind of like that time when you were a kid and you forgot, forgot, you know, air quotes, what your parents said because you didn't pay enough attention to remember it. Sure, we may have heard them, 
But did we hear them? You know, there's even days where I have to be honest and, and transparent and say, I, I sometimes mess this one up with my wife where I'm playing a video game or watching something and she's talking. And it's like, I heard you. I could regurgitate it. But five minutes later, can I actually do that? I'm getting a glare right now, but she knows it's true. And I apologize for that. You know, we all have our weak points and that's mine. So we sometimes hear them, but we don't hear them. Sure, I go to church each week, but do I hear God's voice Monday through Saturday? Do I know his word Monday through Saturday? Sure, I glance at the Bible's verse of the day on my phone, but do I read his word? Am I intentional with his word? See, we need to be intentional to be in God's word daily as followers of Christ so that we may know God's heart. Because when we know God's heart, we become familiar with God's voice and we can land in the destinations that he has in store for us. And when we do this, we can, as the scripture says, find delight in his statutes and not forget his word. You know, this week I've seen so much scripture used out of context and used incorrectly. Thank you, Facebook and Google and however else these things happen. When we know God's word, we don't do that. When we know God's word, we also know that his word is not meant to be something to attack with but something to love with, something to lean on when, at all times. Not just in good times, not just in bad times, but at all times. See, knowing Scripture isn't just for, those, for us in that moment, though, but it is for providing evidence of our faith to ourselves and to others. See, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 15 says, Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness... You are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ, the Lord, as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. The scripture goes on to say that this must be done in love and not as an offense. Please continue reading that scripture at home because there's so much more that is said here in 1 Peter chapter 3. What we see here, that we must be ready to give at any time a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason. Notice what it's not saying is, be ready to attack people, or be ready to be proactive and shove this in people's faces. But we must do these things in love. Because honestly, this past week, after seeing everything on Facebook on both sides, I'm convinced that the majority of the biblical reasons that are given for whether I'm celebrating or I'm disheartened, is misusing scripture and they don't actually know why the Bible leans towards one way or the other. We need to know our scripture. We need to know what the Bible says, not just about the big things. For those of you who might have grown up in church, spent many years in church, you're probably familiar with some key verses in the Bible like Genesis 1-1 or John 3-16. But what about if you say, what's this random verse, like what's Psalm 119, verse 1? I mean, hey, if you can memorize the entire Bible word for word, fantastic. I'm not that skilled. Maybe you are. Blessings to you. But that doesn't mean I can't be familiar with what the Bible says, with who God is and his character and his consistency through it all. See, we are called to know why we believe what we believe which means we need to know Scripture. 
It's not just, I know what I believe because Pastor Dave talks about it once a week for about 30 minutes. It's not because I grew up in this one my parents taught me. There comes a point in all of our lives where we had to make a decision saying, I'm following Jesus myself. And I need to know why I believe it. I need to be able to give an answer for it. See, a lot of people, as a result, consider Christianity to be a blind faith. But in truth, we're not a blind faith. We're an active faith. There is plenty to see. There's plenty to see how God moves in our lives day in and day out. That's why when there's testimonies, we share them about what God is doing in our lives. But we also should make sure that our knowledge of who God is doesn't lead us to be spiritually blind Christians either. Because we can get to the point where we're so overly knowledgeable about what Scripture says that we don't actually spend time with God, just learning about God, but not knowing Him. So here's what happens when we know what Scripture says. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God. And we have the sword of the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 continues on this concept. And it says, For the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And praise God for that. You know, especially in seasons like this, as Christians, it's so easy for us to find ourselves in places where we're condemning others for beliefs that are different than mine. But the truth is, what Scripture says is to not judge one another. Speaking of which, that's a Scripture that's often misused. But in this context, you know, it's, it's truly talking about how it's not my job to condemn another person to hell or say that's a sin and you're going to hell because of this one. That's not what we're called to do as Christians. The living word of God, the Holy Spirit, will continue to do what he does. It is my job to present the message of the gospel in a way that people will receive it, that they will hear the truth. I don't have to change the truth, but I might need to change my tone. I might need to change the way I present it. I might need to hit delete on Facebook or that text message. Or I might need to just slow down my thoughts before I open this thing called my mouth. As Jeremiah comes on up, if he's out there, if not, Dan, you can just throw some music on. So even basic biblical things we should make sure that we are learning. See, it's good to know some of these big things, but it's also good to know the God who is consistent throughout it all, through those other pages. But to also know just the basic things of what do we believe? What is this thing that I'm holding in front of me? And, and I just want to clarify, these are rhetorical questions. I'm going to say the answer to these. And these questions are not asked to shame these questions are asked to bring a, a moment of reality. You know, when I ask questions like, how many books are in the Bible? How many of us, of us as Christians really know how many books there are in this? The answer is there's 66. 
there are 66 individual books that make up the scriptures, that make up the word of God. Then further, you know, how many are in the Old Testament? How many are in the New Testament? We've got 39 in the Old Testament. We've got 27 in the New Testament. You know, even some even stronger ones. Like, how many disciples were there? There's no more than 12 at one given time. There were a total of 13. You know, we've got Andrew and Peter, James and John, Philip, Nathaniel, Matthew, who's also called Levi, Thomas, James, and Judas, Simon, and Judas Iscariot, and then Matthias, who took Judas's place when they were casting lots. And you see that in Scripture. Or even some other elements. Because not for anything, it's good to know these things, like who are the, the disciples? Who are the people that have followed Jesus the closest and the most? But knowing their names doesn't change us like knowing the things like the fruit of the Spirit. How many of us even spend time knowing what the fruit of the Spirit are? And just so you know, we're actually going through the fruit of the Spirit throughout the month of July. So if you don't know it, don't worry. But there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the evidences of our faith. But for us to know these things makes it so much easier to apply these things. We need to know what's inside of our Bibles. Ready to give an answer. You know, I think back to the days when I was growing up. And I remember learning so much. I still remember some of these oddest facts about the Bible. My favorite one that I'd love to throw out is, who's the oldest man to live in the Bible and what was his name? It's Methuselah, and he lived for 969 years. You knew that one. See, when I know God's word, I can know God's heart. And when I know God's heart, I can know God's voice. We must be intentional about our time with Jesus and not in the way where we just repeat the same thing every day. Because imagine only having the same conversation with somebody every time you see them. Not only would it become stale and would it become boring, but their relationship will never grow and you will never truly know each other. Yet that's often how we treat our relationship with God. Because if my time with Jesus is reading the same scripture every day, I'm not talking about just reading the Bible every day. I'm talking about like reading the same verse every single day or just kind of meditating on one, one verse. If you do one verse a day, you're never getting through this your entire lifetime. Praying for the same things, not diving in, not digesting, not spending time saying, God, reveal yourself to me in your word not having genuine time with him, we will subject ourselves to having a stale, boring, and foreign relationship with God. And Jesus doesn't want to be a stranger. He doesn't want to be a foreigner in your life, but he wants to be actively and daily part of your life. And it starts with opening this up as a symbol of saying, God, I'm opening my life up to you. So what do we do? If you don't know where to start, let's get a devotional. 
Let's find a devotional where we can spend time in his word. If you have your Bible app, there's a lot of free ones that are in there. It's a great spot to start. My wife and I have done ones for couples where it allows us to open it up and then we can comment, even if we're reading at two different times, to experience him and his word in new ways. There are also plenty that you can find online or buy online, but also you can get a study Bible where you don't just read, but read the commentary. And you know, I've got two study Bibles up right up here and I've got plenty to spare. If you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor Dave, I've, I've never actually owned a Bible physically or I've never owned a study Bible, come find me. I'll be in the foyer. I want to give you one of these. I want to run out of Bibles today if you don't have one. Because at the bottom of these and throughout these pages, it doesn't just say, here's what the Word of God says, but here's the study. Here's the work that says, here's what this means. Here's how to apply this to your life. That we're not just reading something and praying once a day or praying over our meals. You know, we're teaching my son right now what it means to pray. And some of you guys who are with us for pre-service prayer because our staff prays every Sunday at 940 where he'll stand there and he'll hold his hands. And it's not just teaching him to hold his hands to pray, but it's beginning to lay the foundation for what it means to know God personally. We must become familiar with God's voice so that we don't sin against him, so that I can delight in him, so that I can know his heart, and so that, so that I can know his voice. When I know God's word, I know God's heart. And when I know God's heart, I will know his voice. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and the same. In church, we are called to hide this word in our hearts. So I'm going to close by praying Psalm 119 over us. And this is just another way as a follower of Christ, that we can continue to get to know him, is to pray the scriptures over our lives, over our households, our families, and into our daily living. So I want to ask that each person in this room would just close your eyes and bow your heads, and we're going to pray the scripture over us this morning. Psalms 119, verse 9 through 16 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? by guarding it according to your word. God, I ask that this morning that something new starts fresh in each of us, that we can stay pure in all the things that are of you, that we can guard your word, guard our lives with your word, that we may know you more and more. God, as your scripture says, that with my whole heart I can seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. Let us as a church, as us as a body of believers, to not wander, to seek your commandments with our whole hearts that we follow after you, that we may store up your word in our hearts so that we don't sin against you. God, we want to bless your name as you continue to teach us who you are and your ways, your statutes, so that with our lips we can declare all of your ways with our mouths. That we may delight through your testimonies and all of these riches that you have given us spiritually. That we will spend time meditating on your word and fixing our eyes on your ways. 
God, let us delight in your statutes today, this week, this summer, and for all of our lives that we may not forget your word. God, let us be like the psalmist this morning. That we store your heart in our words. That it transforms us. That it renews us. That we might not sin against you. That we will not forget your words so that we can find delight in you. And we can know your heart. And we can know your voice. We love you, God. We praise your name for all that you have done. And I ask you that you use us this week. Allow us to be sensitive. Allow us to hide your word in our hearts so that we may be an example of what it means to follow you through all of our days. And in your name, all of God's people said, amen and amen. A rock of grace, as always, it is such a pleasure to dive into the word and spend time worshiping with each and every one of you. As I said, if you do not have a study Bible, come find me. We do have some right across from the bathroom. We do have a library. By the way, all of those books are free for the taking. So if there's anything from there, you're welcome to grab some. Just let me know you grabbed one. Just that way, if I know we're running low, we can grab something. But I've got plenty of these Bibles. I want to bless you guys. Like I said, I want to run out of these things. Um, so I have an excuse to buy more. But may God bless you. Enjoy the rest of this day. And I hope to see you guys next week. Uh, don't forget, after church, we're having a free cookout for everybody with hot dogs and burgers. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.